Next, I'd like to introduce you once again to Joe Friedman. Uh, Joe and his wife Jerry is here now from New Jersey. They're team members who are sharing the message of the exchange life. Um, and he's going to share a bit about his spiritual journey, connect the dots a bit about what we've been hearing about rejection, how knowing Christ's life makes a difference. And also, Joe, if you want to share a bit about uh, Excel Ministry Project, too. Okay. Thank you, Dad. I think your microphone's on. Go for it. If it's not off, I'm Irish. I'll be loud enough, so we'll work that through. Good evening, everybody. Good evening. Good to see everybody's loosened up a little bit. It's a little tight there for, for a couple seconds, but... Um, yeah, Cherry and I, uh, XL Project, Exchange Life Project, projects being the things that we've got underneath that we're doing right now. As part of GFI, we've been with GFI going on a year officially. I've been driving John crazy unofficially, Dr. Solomon and Kathy and Sue and Linda for about two years. Um, but we, we were blessed by the Lord to come in full-time ministry. Um, my wife was able to quit the job, and we're out there. Uh, right now raising support still and doing this totally on faith. Um, we started out coming down here at a conference, my identification date of 2011 in November, uh, to a conference workshop just like this. And it was led by the Lord to come up and talk to John afterwards and tell him that the Holy Spirit had in fact shared with me that I was coming on board with Grace Fellowship International. Mm-hmm. I didn't know how that thing worked. I just thought, I was a new Christian. I just thought, I'd go up and tell him when we start. So I'm going down here. John, said, John was wrapping up some cord going, that's nice, Brother Joe. <laughs> Good. Go over there for a while. <laughs> anyway, it worked out. And uh, so we are involved in a couple projects. I deal because of my background of 40 years of drug addiction and alcoholism. Um... I deal with addiction and working and volunteering still at the Colony of Mercy, which is part of America's Keswick, which is the, first of all, Colony of Mercy is the oldest uh, rehab consecutive in the country. This year it will be uh, 117 years. Uh, it was founded actually by Cherry's great-grandfather in 1897. Wow. Conference Center. Did some neat things launched there in uh, the 1930s, the Wycliffe Bible Translation was born there after an all-night prayer meeting. It's now reached 5,000 languages. So, Tony Mercy, uh, America's Keswick has really been doing uh, the the work of the Lord. And so, um, anyway, we got that's one project I deal with the men of the Colony of Mercy. So I volunteer there. Uh, But we're also going around to the churches, and our ministry, our mission has really been the United States. And it's really coming along to encourage individuals, but also at the same time, it is to equip the churches that this messy business can be dealt with by the church, not by the secular AA and NA. It's not a 12-step program. It's a one-step program. And I'll speak for me. Take your dumb self out of the center. Allow Jesus Christ to come in yeah. and do what he's doing anyway, whether I admit it or not. Amen? Yeah, let's get this night started, huh? Anyway, I'm going to talk a little bit about rejection. And I know rejection well. And I just want to take ten minutes right now to put into perspective what was on the paper into the life of someone of what rejection can really do. I believe it to be the linchpin. I believe it to be the foundation of the problems that start I think that rejection is like hand grenades to the heart. 
and that pin gets pulled, and it gets tossed in, and that hole in the soul gets created. And we only have one of two ways to go. Either we're going to go to the world, the flesh, the devil, or we're going to go to Jesus Christ. And so, as you'll hear, I didn't know about Jesus Christ. And so, the oldest of nine boys uh, brought up as a great city of Philadelphia, the great city of Philadelphia. And um, was the oldest of nine, as I said. My father was an educated guy, but he was a hit first and talk later man. Um, all the dirty laundry stayed inside because if it got outside, it wasn't going to be too pretty. But I, I went through suffering, um, as I'm going to talk about some, some issues I had, some ideas that I got, some idols I worshipped. Uh, and it started with rejection. It started with the fact that my father, my earthly father, who beat me, uh, and these were not um, discipline beatings. These were out of breath with the belt. This was whatever was handy um, beating. And I suffered physical abuse. I suffered emotional abuse. It was never good enough. Uh, it was never fast enough. It was never, I was never smart enough. Uh, and even though on the outside I was looking okay, I had hair back then. You check those boxes. Do you like me? Yes, no. Uh, but I was dying inside, and yeah. things weren't right at home, and couldn't tell anybody. We weren't supposed to tell anybody. So I also suffered a little bit of what I call religious abuse. I was brought up in the Catholic Church. I'm not here to bash the Catholic Church, but I have an expression now that says the good book's good, but it's a lot better if you open it. We never opened the Bible. We didn't, <laughs> we didn't understand anything about Jesus Christ. Uh, but I knew who Jesus Christ was, and I don't know why, and it doesn't really matter, but I knew who Christ was, and I can remember after beating sitting there crying, Jesus, why is this man hate me so much? So you can imagine what my image was of my heavenly father. If my earthly father, who I could see was doing this, it was the opposite. What is this guy up top? Plus the nuns were telling me that God was sitting up there with lightning bolts waiting for oh, me to make mistakes, right? Did anybody here who grew up in the Catholic Church? Yeah. Let me see your knuckles. I'll know right away. But the point is that, you know, I didn't have a place to go on that. Because nobody was discipling, nobody was teaching me. And so, um, and so what I did was I got an idea. My idea was if I could get you to like me, I'd be okay. Amen. And so I began to dance that dance. And whatever you wanted me to do or become, I did. You know, you lose yourself on that. And, um, and so I did that, and that was the way that I could find comfort. I was doing okay on the outside. Uh, sports, I, I was a good athlete, and so I, I found a lot of comfort and a lot of escape in sports. I did okay academically. It was never good enough at home. Um, so, so the rejection that I went through was the physical abuse, uh, it was the emotional abuse, the religious abuse, and then for a period of a year and a half, from 11 to 12 and a half, I was sexually abused by a babysitter. Mm-hmm. And I didn't get that out until 2010. I carried it around for 45 years. And the effect that it had on me was, there was a female, and the effect it had on me was intimacy and, and the fact that I was such a slob to women as I grew up because sex to me had no value. Sex to me was not the beautiful thing that we learned that our Father in Heaven intended it to be. But remember, I didn't know who my Father in Heaven was either. And so, um, and so what I did was I found alcohol. Mm. And I found drugs, and I found women, and I found the comfort foods. Um, rough times, rough times. Well. Started drinking around the age of 15 and continued to drink and to drug 
until 2010. Fortunately for me, in 1976, during a campus crusade for Christ, as I was walking to a pub at 12 o'clock in the afternoon on the campus of Trenton State College, I know my study habits. <coughs> you know, um, I'm walking to this pub, and I'm walking with a friend of mine. A guy came walking up, and I looked at him, and I said to my friend, this guy's going to come up and start talking to us about Jesus Christ. And he said, Brother, have you heard the good news? Amen. And I said, no, but we're about to. And he began to talk about the four spiritual laws, the little true training, and it made sense to me. It made perfect sense. And what, what saving grace that was for me, because right there I received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. That was 2010? That was, two, that was 1976. Oh. Okay. And then I wandered, like the Jews did, in the wilderness as a carnal Christian for 38 years. I just wandered in, I, but I was never the same. And I've had a lot of people that have told me you couldn't have possibly been saved with doing all you were doing. And I say thank you, I appreciate that. <laughs> um, but I knew I was saved, and I knew my life had never been the same. But I deteriorated, continued to spiral. That rejection had sent me into a spiral. I just couldn't, I could not get out of it. In 1986, I crossed the line where it was no longer social and drinking, and I started getting into cocaine, and I knew I was in trouble. Mm. And it was never the same again. Mm -hmm. And from that point, 1986 to 2010, every year it got worse. And there were periods of sobriety, a week here, a couple days there. At one point I had nine months and got introduced to the Word of God. But I could not put those days together. And ultimately, um, to let you know how bad it was, I lost everything. I lost, I got married, I, I lost my marriage, I lost my children, I lost, uh, physically I lost so many things. I, I, I gotten so sick. Um, I lost my relationship with my brothers. I lost myself, and I had really lost that relationship I had gotten around 2000. I had gotten a stronger relationship with Jesus Christ. But that whole thing was gone. And I ended up in a one-room crack house in Wildwood, New Jersey, all the way back to where I had grown up and we moved from Philadelphia down to the Jersey Shore. And I ended up in this one place with a $1,200 a day habit of heroin. Wow. You didn't tell me I was going to be an IV drug user, anybody that knew me. I wasn't into drugs, when drugs were in, no. in the 60s and 70s. That's where I grew up. People say, if you can remember the 60s, you weren't there. And, uh, <laughs> and that's the truth. But, you know, all that thing of worthlessness and all the things of not belonging, all the, the things of inferiority and perfectionism that Dr. Solomon and Dr. Woodward have been talking about, were acted out, and they really happened. And I can only give you one person's testimony from wreckage to really what I'm going to get into a little bit is, is it the redemption of Jesus, of Jesus Christ. Because that's a good news. Thing. Yeah. Um, but I had a, a, a significant day. I finally had decided to um, shoot myself um, because I had gotten so low. I wasn't mad at anybody. I was down to 128 pounds. Uh, I just couldn't handle life anymore in its terms. And so um, I made a phone call to a friend of mine who introduced me to the Colony of Mercy that I mentioned. You know, there's a song called Broken Hallelujah. Have you ever heard that song? And I had a broken hallelujah. I had a little bit left. And I was able to get across the street and make a phone call. And uh, was able to get on a waiting list to get into the Colony of Mercy. And significant second date for me was my surrender date, which was April 29, 2010. I knew I was done. And praise God. God, I had that little bit left to give him. I had nothing left. Anybody doesn't think God's real, 
After they get done seeing Chuck and get rejected, they can come sit and talk to me a little bit about yeah. Jesus Christ, because yes. Christ is real. And so that happened, and then I got out of there. I spent four months, thank you, four months, and then stayed for a discipleship program. And then they gave me uh, the desire of my heart, and the desire of my heart was to counsel, and I ended up getting an internship where I got to counsel the very guys that I had been walking alongside of. Another wow. I shared an office with the chaplain who, who introduced me to Galatians 2.20. Yeah. Wow. Awesome. And he exchanged life. <laughs> we were on our way. And, um, and then the next significant date was, well, I met a girl, too. I met I met Cherry. And, uh, Who's Cherry? Cherry's my wife back there. I met her, as her, as I said. That wasn't on the application. The application, I thought I was going to go quick drinking and quick drugging. And I got a solid, intimate, personal relationship with Jesus Christ in my life. A godly wife. Who understands this message. Who understood me. Who loved me for who I was and not what I wasn't. Um... And so we heard about Grace Fellowship International through a series of events. Imagine that. Some little fingerprints of God that were all over it. And we took the trip down to Tennessee and in November of 2011. That third uh, significant day for me was my identification of Jesus Christ through the Galatians 2.20 message of, of, of that Grace Fellowship International has been doing for 45 years. So that which was in the book that we've looked at in those wonderful little cartoons, aren't those cartoons great? <laughs> I really like this. You know, little, I, like, I like this guy right there. That's how I felt. I just felt like looking in the mirror and wondering, does anybody out there love me? And the fact of the matter was that Jesus Christ loves me and my identification is completely in the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, and the fact of the matter, whether it's great, my eyes get back on the cross. And when something bad that happens, my eyes get back on the cross. And when something fun happens, my eyes come back on the cross. Everything I do now, my significance is tied up in the Lord Jesus Christ. And as much as I love you, I'm walking up here and I'm doing the same thing again. I'm going, man, I hope these people like me. Don't go through that people, please. We like you. We like you. But you know, I look at. I just ask you to read Galatians one ten too. You know, because that's an important verse to me. Really understanding do I persuade man. So these days, we get out of bed in the morning and say good morning, Father God. Good morning, Lord Jesus Christ. And good morning, Holy Spirit. And uh, and get on there. So. I ask you to just continue to have a great time during this um, weekend. Cherry and I are available to talk during the breaks. Um, we're available as we go around the country right now, as I said, um, going to the churches, trying to lift the pastor's arms up to exhort and to encourage and to, to listen to what the problems are and to tell them there is an answer. And if we can just get this message into Amen. the churches Amen. and let them know that there is hope, yeah. and I Amen. think we'll just all be doing a lot, you know, be doing our part and yeah. a much better job. And so Amen. this has really been a lot of fun and a privilege. And thank you.